If you have a Bible this morning, turn with me uh, to the book of Acts. Let's go to chapter 10. We want to pick up our study in verse 24 through verse 48. Now, obviously, a couple of weeks ago, we did part one. And so we're looking at the gospel uh, sent to the Gentiles. And this, this morning is part two. But let me just kind of give you a refresher, refresher course of what we did two weeks ago. We come to a tremendous advancement in Christianity here in the book of Acts chapter 10. We will witness as the gospel and the teachings of Jesus Christ are taken to the Gentiles, unheard of to the Jews. Up to this point in church history, the gospel had been preached in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and now it's going to the ends of the world. The Samaritans were not considered Gentiles because they observed the laws of Moses, especially the area of circumcision and sacrifices unto God. Uh, the Samaritans were considered half-breeds. Even though they did not get along with the Jews, uh, there was this bad relationship between them. But let's remind ourselves, in John chapter 4, Jesus went out of his way uh, to go to Samaria, and he ministered to the woman at Samaria there at Jacob's well. And then later, Philip goes also to Samaria. And so God... Uh, had his hand upon Samaria. But I want you to see the gospel. Now, we're Gentiles, basically. And the gospel has come uh, to the ends of the earth. And here we are 2,000 years later. And the gospel is still being preached. It was a command by the Lord. And I'm going to give you the scripture in Matthew 28, in verse 19. This is just a portion of the Great Commission. Jesus said to the disciples, go and preach the gospel uh, to all nations. Not just to the Jewish nation, but to all nations. But the Jews were the first to receive the salvation message. Now we know that Peter was prepared last week. We know that God got a hold of Peter. And we know that he did it through a Gentile by the name of Cornelius. But God has to get them ready. And that's what we looked at in verses 1 through 23 last week. A vision was given to Cornelius, and, and then a vision was given to Peter. But I, I want you to put yourself in, in Peter's sandals. You're very Jewish. Uh, you follow the Jewish law. The five books of Moses, the Pentateuch, is everything for you. And then you follow uh, the meat and the dietary laws uh, to the hill. I mean, you don't hold back. You're very kosher in your eating. And then God gives you this vision. Peter, what I have cleansed, do not call common. Now, he was speaking about food. But God had another plan. He's speaking about also other nations. What I have cleansed do not call common. And to see the gospel uh, go out to the Gentiles just blesses me. And I hope and pray that it, it blesses you. We need to get the gospel out. And now we need to uh, see the gospel go to the not only Gentiles, but to the Jews. And now in our culture, who needs the gospel more but the Muslims? 
And so many are considering them your enemy. Didn't Jesus say, pray for your enemies? And so we need to have a ministry in our hearts to reach out. Back in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22, Jesus is walking uh, the Sea of Galilee on the shorelines. And he's getting ready to get his disciples ready. He sees Simon and Andrew. And they were casting their nets because they were fishermen. But listen to the the verse 19 of Matthew chapter 4. Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. This is Peter. Uh, This is John. Simon, this is Andrew. All of these guys God had put in their hearts. Fishermen, simple men. God wants to use them just as he wants to use each and every one of us. But God has to prepare Peter's heart. That's what we studied last week. And he has to prepare Cornelius's heart. Again, please understand, bringing together Jew and Gentile, unheard of. Unheard of. And then not only salvation, we're going to see at the conclusion of the chapter, but the power of God's spirit falls upon them. And it's going to tell you those that went with Peter, other Jews, were just astonished. What is this? Because back in Acts chapter 2, the 120 were in the upper room, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit came upon the church, but the church was very Jewish. And now for the Spirit to fall, not only salvation, but the Spirit to fall upon the Gentiles. I'm overwhelmed by it. And that's what encourages me uh, to take the word of God. And so let's begin here now. And so God has prepared Peter. He's prepared Cornelius. And now he's preparing for them to meet. And so in verse 24, and the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them. Listen. And had called together his relatives and his close friends. He's waiting for Peter. He's got his relatives there. He's got his close friends there. Uh, He's a centurion. He's a captain of the guard. He's a man of military. We know he had servants. We know also there was other military personnel. Everybody's waiting, anticipating. They've heard of the Messiah. They want the gospel now. And that's why uh, the missionary is so important here. But again... I want you to think of Peter. Lord, not so, he says. I have never eaten uh, unkoshered food, Lord. And now to to come together, uh, to walk into a Gentile house, unheard of. Unheard of. And so look at verse 25. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him, and then he falls down at his feet, and he worshipped him. Now, I see a problem, you see a problem. But you need to understand, Cornelius doesn't know. But I see true humility right here. Cornelius does not know Peter, but he knew of him. He thought Peter to be a a special man, a special man of God, a religious man, if you may. And so he fell down at his feet in obeisance and worshipped him. Now, this was customary concerning hospitality. Generally, you wash the feet and such, and then you would even kiss the feet. But he's literally worshiping Peter. Now, I see a test here also. Cornelius is ignorant to this, 
And so he's not held accountable. But now Peter, he has to make a choice. He has to receive this or reject this. And I love what Peter does because God is moving on his heart. And so this is a test for Peter. Look at verse 26 now. But Peter lifted him up and he said, stand up. I myself am also a man. I love this. I love how Peter corrected Cornelius by saying, stand up. I'm also a man just like you. If Cornelius was not to give a such reverence to Peter, neither should Peter receive that reverence. It goes both ways. The Bible teaches us we're not to worship man. And we're not to worship angels. Now, if you're taking notes, uh, in Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, uh, John is overwhelmed as God is speaking to him. He sends a messenger. It's a man, but it's an angel. Many times they took on the form of a man. And the angel, John also uh, tries to worship. He's just overwhelmed. And the angel said, no, stand up. Those that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. And man is never to take any a kind of worship. As I was putting this study together, uh, this is Peter. If you go to Rome today, I've never been to Rome. I still want to go. A lot of my pastor friends have gone. And when you go to the Basilica in Rome and you see the artifacts and such, well, uh, one of the biggest churches there is St. Peter's Basilica. Uh, go and Google it. You're, you're going to blow your mind. I mean, uh, the history there goes back to the 1500s and, and such. And, but there's this statue of St. Peter's Basilica, a statue of Peter. And the way the statue is situated, this has been told to, to me by my friends that uh, the, his foot is kind of sticking forward. The other one is kind of sticking back. But as people have come through the centuries, it, it's, a, it's a statue, pretty good-sized statue. And uh, it's got sandals on and the toe sticking out. People took it upon themselves to kiss Peter's toe. I go, wow. Now, we're talking centuries, so a lot of lips have touched that toe. <laughs> and one of my pastor friends says, it's not a toe anymore, Bob. It's a nub. I go, what? This is how much people have done. And... Uh, this is a statue. This is not Peter. I wonder if Peter would go to the Basilica today. What would he say? What would he do? The embarrassment of it all. Uh, but understand the culture. And understand Cornelius's heart here. Uh, look at verse 27. And as he talked with him, he went in and he found many who had come together. At Cornelius' home, there was a great number of Gentiles. But Peter walks in. Family, friends, servants, military. They're ready to hear the word of God. They're chomping at the bit, if you may. Look at verse 28. And then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man. Listen to Peter. And a man to keep company with or to go into one of another nation. He's speaking about Gentiles. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Now, let me put 
us to a test here. What is the greater work in this chapter? Uh, The salvation of Gentiles? I would say yes. The baptism of the Holy Spirit on Gentiles? I would say yes. Or is the greatest test for Peter? Peter's heart. Peter's heart. And see, sometimes God has to get a hold of, listen to me, has to get a hold of my heart. Sometimes God has to get a hold of your heart. I don't like it. You don't like it. I just want everything to be smooth. But sometimes God has to get a hold of my heart. Sometimes God has to change me. Sometimes uh, it feels like somebody's squeezing the heart. And that's the power of God's Holy Spirit. Peter, I want you to go to the Gentiles. In Jeremiah 17, verses 9 and 10, I shared this Wednesday night. Uh, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who knows the heart? God knows the heart and he has the reins on that heart. When I gave my life to Jesus, when you gave your life to Jesus, Lord, I'm all yours. Take my heart. I am yours, Lord. Lead me and guide me. You see, all the issues of man come from the heart. Everything that we are, everything that we do, it comes from the heart. That's why he tabernacles within us. He gives us the Holy Spirit uh, to lead us and to guide us uh, into all truth. And the more you're in Christianity, uh, the more you're walking with God. And the closer you walk with God, the more you read God's word, the more you come to church. The Spirit of God is there. And we used to call it our conscience. But we know now that that conscience is the Holy Spirit saying, Bob, don't do that. Bob, don't do that. And so I've learned to stop and to listen uh, to the voice of God as he speaks to me. Peter was prohibited by the law uh, to enter a Gentile home. Peter was prohibited by the law uh, to eat Gentile food. Unheard of. And so in last week's teaching... He's talking about uh, the food. Remember the great sheet? What I have cleansed do not call common. But it's not about food now. It's about Gentiles. I like that. What I have cleansed, God has cleansed the Gentile. Don't call them common. And isn't our society so set? Well, listen, I don't mind taking the gospel over here to these people. They're on this side of the tracks. But these guys over here, they're on the other side of the tracks. I'm not going there. I love to go to Juarez uh, and, and to see the colonias and such and go in. But it's the other side of the tracks, let's face it. And even when you go down the I-10 and you're going to El Paso, uh, it seems like everything is on the, on the left side of the tracks. And you go to this other one, it's called the Valley. But yet we have a Calvary Chapel there. But you see the differences. And so we set up those barricades And it should not be. And so I want you to see what's going on in Peter's heart now. In verse 29, therefore, I came without objection. As soon as I was sent for, I asked then, for what reason have you sent for me? Peter's obedient now. He's in the house. But what am I here for? He really doesn't know. Now, I want you to see that. That is is how faith works. Many times God just says, Bob, go. And you say, okay, Lord, where do you want me to go? You just go, and then I will tell you when to turn. 
I will tell you when to stop. I've, I've gone through that for years. But God wants to see the obedience. He wants to see, listen, that first step of faith. What do you do when God speaks to you? What do you do when the Holy Spirit uh, is moving on your heart? Well, well, show me, and then I'll go. No, step out by faith. Step out by faith. This is Peter now. What am I here for? He's telling Cornelius. Look at verse 30. So Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house. And behold, a man uh, stood before me in bright clothing. Obviously, uh, this was an angel of the Lord. Cornelius was praying. Listen to this. Four days prior. And the time schedule here, about 3 p.m. And then we studied that Peter was also praying. And so God has been speaking to both men. You know, one guy from this side of the tracks, the other guy from the other side of the tracks. A Jew and a Gentile. And then in verse 31, and he said, Cornelius, and we shared this last week, your prayers have been heard. And I love this. And your alms are remembered in the sight of God. God saw Cornelius' heart now. He saw his heart in prayer. Listen to this. He saw his heart in giving. In giving, uh, those of you that have been part of Calvary Chapel uh, long enough, you know my pet peeve, and I will not bug anybody about finances. We take up the offering, we receive the offering, uh, we have agape boxes. Some of the Calvaries don't even receive the offering. You just gotta, you have to go to the agape box. Uh, we kind of really shy from that. We don't want anybody saying that we put pressure on anybody. But the Bible teaches we are to give. And not just of your finances, but give of your time. Give of your efforts. Some of you have opened your homes to other people when they come and they stay. And so there's a lot of different ways of giving. But I, I, I just get moved by this. God has a book of remembrance, if you may. It tells us that he, he takes our tears and he places them in bottles. And they literally had bottles that used to fit right underneath the, the eye socket. And, and it had like a little funnel and it would take in the tears. And I know some of you personally, I know some of the trials you went through, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of your tears up in heaven. And so God hears your prayers. He remembers your prayer, and then he sees your giving, your almsgiving. And so this was the ministry, if you may, of Cornelius. Now, how does God know everything about me? How does God know everything about you? How does he remember my prayers? How does he remember my giving? Uh, In Psalm 139, it's called the all-seeing eye of God. He sees everything. Nothing surpasses God. You know, guys, I've shared this with you before. Uh, There's things uh, my wife doesn't know. And I think I get away with it. You do the same thing. But who knows? God knows. Some of the youngsters, some of the children, uh, mom and dad don't know what I'm doing. That's true. But God knows. He's the all-seeing eye. And, and so God knew Peter's heart, and now he knows Cornelius's heart, and the explanation is going back and forth to each other in verse 33. 33, excuse me. 
And so, listen to the message. Uh, send therefore uh, to Joppa. This was the instructions uh, to Cornelius. Uh, send therefore to Joppa and call Simon uh, here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon the Tanner uh, by the sea. And when he comes, he will speak to you. Uh, remember we shared that the tanning business had to do with dead animals? Peter was very strict on the law. And one of the positions of the law, you will have nothing to do with a dead carcass. And yet Peter's staying at Simon, which I believe is Jewish. I mean, somebody had to do the tanning job. It was a horrible job. And Peter stays there. God is already softening his heart. And now Cornelius sends his servants to go get a hold of Peter. And it's just... How beautiful it's all being uh, put together. Uh, look at verse 33. And so I sent uh, to you immediately, and you have done well to come. That's a beautiful phrase there. This is from Cornelius, a Gentile. You have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. That's why you're there, Peter. That's why you're there. Peter's listening intently. Cornelius says, I sent for you quickly. I see an anxiousness here. Uh, Cornelius is anxious to see what the Lord has planned. Notice the words, you have done well to come. Cornelius knew the culture that a Jew would not enter a Gentile home. This has to be of God. God is moving. I can just sense Cornelius' heart. I have several pastor friends. Through the years, they've made pilgrimages, uh, especially to the Philippines, and then to China. There was a time when uh, the Word of God was open, and then you have to be careful it closes. We got to go to Russia. We got to go to Germany. And so we were able to take Bibles and we were able to take a Walkmans and we were able to take uh, the Gospel of Mark in, in Russian. And we even distributed to some of the military that was there. But some of my pastor friends that had gone to the Philippines and the, the Philippine pastors announced it. Hey, a pastor from the States coming. He's going to teach us the Word of God. Pastors came from everywhere. And I'm talking in the jungles of the Philippines. And they heard they were hungry. Some of them walked one, two, three days to get uh, to the meetings. Walked. Man, when I go to conference, uh, I need a flight. When I go to conference, I need, I need a good room. When I go to conference, we got to rent a car. And I go, walk. That's the word of God. And our pastors have been humbled. Because most pastors would, uh, okay, Bob, you're going to teach these group of nationals that have come in. Uh, what would you like to teach? Well, since I got two teachings, uh, sessions, uh, I'd like to teach the, the book of Acts chapter 10, part one and part two. And some of my friends did that. They went in there and one of them, uh, I'll never forget, Dan Finfrock, he says, I'm going to teach the book of Ephesians. He's going to start with chapter one. He's going to be there five days. He'll get through the book of Ephesians. Well, guess what happened in the first session? He stopped. And they go, what's wrong? Well, tomorrow. No, no, no. 
we want three days to get here. Give it to us. Dan taught the whole book of Ephesians in one setting. And then he went to his room. He says, Lord, what do I do now? What do you mean, what do you do now? Teach the next book. And some of the pastors, each of us have a Bible. And some of these pastors that were from the, you know, various islands in, in I think the Philippines claims about 7,000 islands. And so they don't have the word of God as we do. They have a book of one of the 66 books. And so a pastor would come in with a, with a book of James. And when they would get together, he'd study James for a couple of months. And he finally, his pastor friend, well, let's change. Give me the book of Philippians. I'll give you the book of James. This is the way it, it happens. And so can you imagine now, Cornelius, we want the word of God. That's what we want. And my friends are here. They want to hear it. And so verse 34 begins. And the caption of my Bible says, preaching uh, to Cornelius' house. Remember, family, friends, servant, military personnel. Uh, he's got a big house. Maybe they were meeting in the courtyard. But Peter has an audience now. Look at verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God has shows no partiality. Very important here. Remember, God's gotten a hold of Peter's heart. Peter understood the significance of the vision now. Given to him on the rooftop uh, the week before that we studied, he realized that the distinction between clean and unclean foods had an application to human beings. Listen. And that contrary to Jewish belief and culture, nor no people were to be taught that as of an unclean in the sight of God. God shows no partiality uh, to people, no favoritism uh, to people, no prejudice to any people. That's you and I. If God uh, was partial to just the Jews, we wouldn't have the gospel today. I was blessed being in Mexico uh, and in Mazatlan, and we saw a lot of evangelical churches there. And so the word of God is always there, even though the traditional church is very Catholic. But I want you to see what's going on with Peter here. His heart has been opened. He knows now. It's not just about the foods that you saw, Peter. But what I've cleansed, the Gentiles do not call them common. I died for them. And this is one of the pet peeves that uh, pastors are trying to bring forth today. And that is, we think that the Muslim is our enemy. And maybe rightfully so, they're considered our enemy. But let me ask you, do you pray for them? Maybe you don't know them personally, but do you pray for them? Do you pray for their salvation? There is a movement in the Middle East. And it's interesting to me that the Muslims are being saved because God is appearing to them in human form. And they said, who are you? Visions, dreams. They say, I'm Jesus. Show me that you are Jesus. Nail prints. 
Interesting. This is what's going on out there. Look at verse 35. And it, but in every nation, whosoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Uh, here's the position of who can be born again of the Holy Spirit. A person who fears or who has reverence of God and does what is, is right, right living for God is righteousness, whether he be Jew or Gentile, whether she be Jew or Gentile, is accepted by God. This was a great lesson for a Jewish man such as Peter to learn and its marks define a step in the extension of the church from a Jewish fellowship to a universal fellowship. This is the church. This is the body of Christ. And see, Peter had to be broken. Not so, Lord. I have never touched anything unclean. Peter, what I have cleansed, do not call common. There's a beautiful story. I want you to study it when you get home. In 1 Kings chapter 19, the prophets of Jezebel, uh, she was married to King Ahab, Ahab, and, and horrible king, horrible king. And Jezebel was killing off uh, the prophets of God. Elijah is a major prophet at this time. And God has called him to the nation of Israel. Elijah is fearful of Jezebel. He goes and he runs and he hides. And he's found in a cave. And the angel of the Lord says, what are you doing? And he even fed him. Now, go back and do your work. I, no, no. They want to kill me. And, and I'm the only one left. I want you to catch that phrase. I'm the only one left. God forbid. But Elijah thought, I'm the only prophet left. God tells him, Elijah, there's 7,000 more just like you. Just like you. And so Peter, Lord, the 120 in the upper room. No, no, there's others out there. Didn't Jesus say, I have other sheep that you don't know of. You're other sheep. I'm another sheep. I mean, God pours out his spirit to us, but we have this tendency, it's just for us. Listen, salvation came to the Jew first, yes, but salvation now has come uh, to the Gentiles. The Holy Spirit came uh, to the Jews in the book of Acts chapter 2, yes, but the Holy Spirit is also for the Gentiles. Water baptism was of the Jews first. But now water baptism is going to take place for the Gentiles. And so how does God see a heart that changes? I want you to write this down. In Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 18, this is what it says. Simply, those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love that. Be careful when people want you to go through a ritual, a rite, a custom, a tradition, well, listen, you can't get saved unless you're on your knees. You can't get saved unless your hands are up. You can't get saved. And what are you talking about? This is why the Jesus movement was so important to me uh, back in the day. And the mainstream churches frowned on it. 
these hippies were getting saved. They were all barefoot. They all had beards and beads and flowers in their hair. God was bringing them to saving grace. And so now here's Peter with Gentiles. Look at verse 36. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, a preaching peace through Jesus Christ, that he is Lord of all. That phrase is deity. Peter's message of hope uh, at Cornelius' house, a, a Gentile, a house full of Gentiles, the same word, the same Jesus, uh, preached to the Jews is now the same word and the same Jesus that also is given to the Gentiles. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. After salvation, they receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see that. Uh, look at verse 37 now. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from the Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Peter's proclamation here of the gospel included a brief summary of Jesus' ministry in Judea and the Galilee. All of this ministry was to the Jews, but Peter's taking it now to the Gentiles. Look at verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. With the Holy Spirit, with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were uh, oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Peter gives tremendous insight. Now, he was uh, an eyewitness of all these things. Peter gives insight to Jesus Christ, his anointing as Messiah, from the time of Jesus' baptism and his good works, uh, the miracle signs and wonders, including exercising of demons. All this was covered in the four Gospels. This is confirmation now uh, to Cornelius. Listen, I believe Cornelius knew all the stories. I believe Cornelius got all the, uh, the messages. News traveled fast in those days. John the Baptist, uh, in Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, John the Baptist saw the dove descend from heaven. He heard a voice. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. In the gospel of, of Mark, it says, hear him. Jesus. All God, all man. The incarnate God, according to the gospel of John chapter 1. Peter's preaching now to the Gentiles is the same as his preaching was to the Jews. He presents the person and the work of Jesus Christ with an emphasis on the resurrection of Christ. Then our responsibility before God in light of the gospel. Listen to this. Jew and Gentile have the responsibility uh, to obey, to believe, and then to take it forward. Now we're free moral agents. We have a choice. We can receive Christ. Or we can reject Christ. And many, many have rejected Christ. We can believe and obey his word. Or we can reject his word. What are we hearing today? Pastor Bob. That's Old Testament. We don't go by the Old Testament. And I don't like what Paul the Apostle wrote. Uh, he did not like women. I mean, I've heard all these things. And then, what about 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. While there are some things in there, you know, isn't it interesting you always hear, there's contradictions in the Bible. Oh, really? Here you go. Give me one. Give me one contradiction. They don't have one. But they like to complain. Verse 40, uh, him God raised, he's speaking about the ministry of Christ. Him God raised on the third day and showed himself openly. Uh, We know that there was a 40-day post-resurrection. The testimony of Jesus Christ and the doctrine of the resurrection. Nobody has ever rose again from the dead. That whole doctrine is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In verse 41, not to all the people, but to witness to chosen ones before God. Even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. When you study 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it's called the doctrine of the resurrection. Paul writes, and it says that over 500 witnessed the risen Christ. They broke bread with him. They drank the beverage with him, water or grape juice. They ate fish, honeycomb. They broke bread. Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day. No one has ever claimed that. Verse 42, and he commanded us to preach, Peter said, uh, to the people to testify. That is he who was ordained by God to judge of the living and the dead. The living and the dead. Real quick, turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Verses 16 through 20 is called the Great Commission. And I'm going to read to you out of the New Living Translation. Again, in verse 42, and he commanded us to preach. That was the message given to the 120, but especially to the apostles, to the disciples. He commanded us to preach to the people, to testify, that is, that he was ordained by God to to be judge of the living and the dead. And so Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20, is called the Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples left for the Galilee, going to the mountains where Jesus had told them uh, to go. I thought there was twelve. Judas Iscariot had hung himself. Remember, Peter, or later, uh, the guys cast lots. And it was Matthias that the lot, the lot fell on. But we keep studying the New Testament. Uh, Paul was the one born out of due season. He was, the, I believe, the 12th apostle. In verse 17, Matthew 28, And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some of them doubted. That was doubting Thomas, remember? But there was others also. <laughs> they were doubting then. There are still those doubting today. There are those, especially in the United States of America, that are doubting. In verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, here's the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always even to the end of the age. I don't care what trials we go through, hardship or pain. Some of you have gone through some pretty rough times. I know that. And you can respond, Lord, 
Where were you when I was going through this? It's easy to do that. Lord, it's me, your servant. Why is this happening to me? He'll never leave us nor forsake us. It's the enemy that comes against you. Be sure of this, bottom of verse 20, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And be careful, we've shared this so many times. Christians have this attitude, I don't feel him anymore. I don't feel him back in the Jesus movement. I've felt the power of God. I don't feel him anymore. The Bible says we don't walk by feelings. We walk by faith. We walk by faith. Lord, I know you're there. Lord, I know you're there. Now, grant you, there are times I, I sense the power of God uh, in the room. I sense the power of God all around me. I sense the power of God as I'm preaching. And then there's other times like, am I the only one here? I mean, that happens. Don't go by your feelings. Don't go by your feelings. Because when the Aggies win a game, I get excited. But when they lose a game, I don't have any feelings. But let's continue. Let's go back to our text now. Look at verse 43. To him, speaking about Jesus, the testimony again. To him all the prophets witness that uh, through his name. Listen to this. Through his name, Yeshua, whosoever believes in him will receive remission of sin. Now, some of you take notes, I know. Pay attention. Exactly. This particular scripture I'm going to give. Isaiah 9, 6, that's one. Isaiah 52, 7. Isaiah 53, verses 5 and 6. Isaiah 59, 20. Jeremiah 31, 34. Daniel 9, 24. Micah 7, 18. And lastly, Zechariah 13.1. That was just a few. Scriptures in the Old Testament that says forgiveness comes in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah, which is Jesus Christ. Listen, for Peter to be sharing this with a house full of Gentiles, wow. Unheard of. Unheard of. And once Peter's finished preaching, I'm sure there was a rack of ribs ready for Peter. Look at verse 44 now. The caption says, the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentile. While Peter was still speaking, listen to that. These words, what he was sharing with him, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. Wait a minute. I've been to a lot of... Pentecostal meetings. I've been to a lot of Holy Ghost meetings. And I was searching for the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues many years. And I went to meeting after meeting. And every one of them, stand up. Slap you in the head. Anoint you with oil. I mean, so many very... I even had people shake me. And it's not easy to shake me. This guy's trying to shake me, and then trying to knock me down. I take a football stance, and they they come, what are you looking for? Because they want you to fall. I says, I'm looking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And one preacher finally said it, receive it, receive it. But I thought you had to go through all these antics. 
Some of you might remember this. You want to speak in tongues. They tell you to open your mouth, raise your hand, and just start uttering words, and then they're going to be transformed into speaking in tongues. I did all this. Notice what's going on here while Peter was still speaking these words. The Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word of God. No water baptism yet. Yes, they've come to salvation, but they spoke in tongues. We're going to see that. Exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2 and verse 45. And, and those are the circumcision. Who's that? The Jews that came with Peter who believed were astonished. They were overwhelmed as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out to the Gentiles also. It blew them away. It literally blew them away. Wait a minute. Salvation was to the Jew only. And now the Holy Spirit is just not right. And so this has to be overwhelming to them. <laughs> The Holy Spirit was poured out to Jew and now to Gentile. Salvation was poured out to Jew and now to Gentile. This is a new movement. Trust me. Look at verse 46. And they heard them speak with tongues and magnified God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Now, water baptism. Full immersion as Jesus was uh, straightway into the water, straightway out of the water in Matthew uh, 3, verse 16. But I want you to go back up to verse 46 because it goes together. Verse 46 and verse 47. They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Back in Acts chapter 2, verse 11. We know that there's approximately 17 or 18 different dialectas, and they all spoke in tongues, the 120. And those people that were in the audience hearing the tongues, they were hearing their language. And so you're in Mexico, and you happen to be German, and all of a sudden somebody's praising God in the German language, but you're in Mexico. Who's the only one that knows it? You. And so this is happening again. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 11, what they heard were the wonderful works of God. That's why it says here, uh, with tongues and magnified God. And so we conclude in verse 48. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him, to stay a few more days. In the Great Commission, water baptism takes place thus. We baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As long as it takes to take you down, and I shouldn't use that term, take you down, Pastor Jay and I will be in the water, and we gently go down. We baptize you, Fred, George, Mary, Martha. We baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You come back up. 
reckoning that old man dead in Romans chapter 6. Salvation is an inward work in your heart. Baptism is an outward work. It's a testimony before your family, friends, and your loved ones. I mean, listen to the Gentiles. They receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Has anybody forbid them to be water baptized? They took on water baptism. I love that. Now, here it says they were baptized in the name of the Lord. There's a very dangerous doctrine. It's called the Jesus Only Movement. And uh, their whole basis is Acts 2.38. They baptize in Jesus' name only. Uh, be careful with that. That's why the Great Commission says to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Now, when you baptize somebody in Jesus' name only, isn't Jesus part of the Trinity? So it's not denying it, but some of the United Pentecostals, unless they've changed their doctrine, you have to be baptized in Jesus' name only. Very, very dangerous doctrine. So we see how the Spirit of God has fallen upon the Gentiles as well as the Jews. Salvation to the Gentiles as well as the Jews. I mean, just a beautiful picture. How God married that together. Peter, what I have cleansed do not call common. It was not just about the meats. But he was talking about Gentiles. Talking about Gentiles. Let's all stand. We're going to end with a word of prayer. And just ask for the Lord's blessings. Father, we thank you so much. For your goodness, your grace, your love, your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God that will not come back void. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your spirit that we desperately need. Lord, if there's anybody here this morning or listening to the CD later, or possibly on the radio one day, and they've never come to saving grace, the Bible says today is the day of your salvation. If you've never received Christ, you need to open your heart. And if you have received Christ, but you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need to ask Jesus to baptize you today. Father, uh, bless the offerings as you've given to us. Uh, we give back a portion. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.